Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to contemplating how God's preached Word impacts every moment of our lives. This sermon was preached at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska by Pastor John Rasmussen. Would you please pray with me? God, our Father in heaven, we, we know, we understand that um, we do not live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes out of your mouth. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that as we hear the sermon, uh, may the words of my mouth and, and the meditation of each of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. We pray that you would use these words to, to strengthen us as Christians and to help us to better know you. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, uh, take a Bible and open up to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're continuing in this little mini-series in Acts chapter 2, taking a brief break from Mark's gospel before we pick it back up again in a couple weeks. Uh, but for today, Acts chapter 2, you can find that on page 911 in the Pew Bible, page 911. And we're looking at really the, the last couple verses of Acts chapter 2. Last week, we saw how the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in a community, He creates a devotion to worship, a devotion to uh, the, the uh, teaching of the apostles, the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, and the prayers. And here we're going to see today that the Holy Spirit also creates a devotion to community, to the gathering as the body of Christ, not just in worship, but in community outside of worship as we do life together. So we begin with that thought. I want to share just a brief story from my childhood. I can't even remember when it was or what the situation was, but I have this memory as a kid of people talking about a new priest that they got. And they loved this guy. They thought he was the greatest priest in the world. And it wasn't because he was a great preacher necessarily. It wasn't because he was like a kind, gentle shepherd in their faith. Uh, but they said, we love this new priest because he gets us in and out of Mass in 40 minutes. Like, nobody else has ever been that quick. I mean, he does the liturgy quick, he skips things, he preaches like five minutes, and we just love this guy. They were sold on this new priest because he was very efficient in his use of time. Uh, so basically, you know, parking lot to parking lot in 40 minutes. And um, as we read our text today, I want you to see that something different is going on in the early church. And I would hold out to you that a different approach to being with Christians is held out to us as well. That there's this desire that we would be together as Christians, that we grow together in the body of Christ, that we'd want to linger together in relationship uh, as we join together as God's people. So let's read the text uh, together. As we read verses 42 to 47, I want you to think about community. Note that word together. Remember that word from last week? Together. And see how the church is coming together and sharing a life together. Let's read it aloud. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. One of the key words that we see in this text is the word fellowship. And that word means that you're coming around something together and sharing it in common. And so for Christians, fellowship means that we're coming around the person and the work of Jesus Christ and sharing Him in common. This happens most visibly when we come to the Lord's table because we come around and we literally share in Christ together, but it also happens outside of the church as we share in relationship with one another, as we do life together. For example, we see in the text that these early Christians were eating together in their homes. They were spending time together. They were doing life together. Life together in and through Jesus Christ. That is what it means to have fellowship and community as Christians. Um, The best way to describe this is maybe a visual, so we're going to try this out. I borrowed this from the prayer shawl group, and I promise I'll give it back. Uh, So, the Scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians that through holy baptism, We are all united to Christ as one body, and we're each members of it. And Paul even says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we're not just members of the body of Christ, we're actually members of one another. And so as we are joined together in Christ through holy baptism, we get connected to each other, um, tangled up together. Somebody catch this. Thank you. And how about you wrap it around your arm and toss it to somebody else, maybe give it some slack so it doesn't come right back at you. You can toss it behind you, across the aisle. Uh, Let's just keep that going for a little bit. Maybe do it about five times because I don't want to spend the whole five minutes untangling ourselves after church. Uh, We'll do that during the offering. Um, So this is a visual of what it means to be in community together in the body of Christ. It means that through holy baptism, God has tied us up and tangled us together in a web of fellowship. We are all in fellowship together, and that means that we're tight, right? Um, We're tied together through holy baptism. This is what it means to be in community. This is what it means to have fellowship, that we're all tied together through Christ in the Holy Spirit. Now, the point here is that this is God's plan for your life. Did you know that? We might have a lot of plans for our lives. We might have a lot of goals for our lives. But it is God's plan for each and every one of you here today who confess the name of Jesus. It is His plan for you that you would be tangled up, everybody together, in fellowship together as the church, in community. Now, certainly, if you could just imagine, like, all of us being all tied together, That'd take a long time to untie, right? So we're not going to do that. But if you can just imagine that, that's God's plan for your life. A lot of times when we think about God's plan for our life, we think about it in individual terms. So we might say, Jesus Christ died and he rose again to forgive my sins and to give me the gift of life everlasting. Now, is that true? Yes. That's why we're all here, right? It's true, but it's not the only true thing. In fact, the good news of the gospel is wider and it's deeper than that. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ poured out his life. He, he gave himself upon the cross 
for you and for me, and He rose again from the dead, not just so that we would be forgiven and have life everlasting, but Christ did all of this for you so that He might create a people for Himself, the body of Christ, or as Scripture also calls it, the bride of Christ or the people of God, the communion of the saints. And, and, and you can even say that Jesus Christ died, poured out His blood, rose from the dead so that we would be all tied together and tangled up into community, both now into life everlasting. You see, we're invited into an eternal community. These people we worship with are important, right? Because they're part of God's eternal fellowship, the church. This is God's plan for your life, but if we can acknowledge that this is God's plan for our life, we also have to acknowledge that there's a lot of forces in our culture that we're not even aware of sometimes that really fight against community. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of forces fight against community. We could name a lot of them, everything from COVID to smartphones to television, even air conditioning fights against community, I think. You know, why do people not build front porches anymore? Because we don't sit on them anymore. We go inside in the air conditioning uh, to, instead of sitting out and, and talking with our neighbors. But I still like air conditioning. It's a good plan, but uh, it does kind of affect our community in ways we're not even aware of. I want to highlight three different ways in particular that I believe that community suffers or or that challenges our community as the church. The first is individualism. I mean, individualism is really seeped into our culture in ways that we're not even aware of. And individualism very simply just means it's all about me. Um, And even the way that things are marketed to us is that it's all about you. it's, it's all about me. And yes, God saves individuals. He saves individual people and grants to them the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. But as we look at the Scriptures, it's bigger and it's beautiful than just me or just you. God's plan is not just to save individual people, but His plan is to save a community of people. So that at the end of days, what's the picture we see in Revelation is that people from every nation, tribe, and language are gathered around the Lamb and worshiping Him together. It's not just about you or me. God is saving a people. And we are called to live out that truth now as we do life together in community. The second thing that fights against our community is consumerism. And consumerism is basically that, you know, we have a lot of options economically. If you don't like a service at this place, you can go find it at another place. If you don't like this product, you can find another. If you don't like the price, you can find it cheaper. And sometimes I think that that consumerism mindset really kind of seeps into the way that we treat one another in the church, the way we treat our relationships with one another. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples of that. Sometimes people might choose a church because of the pastor. They might say, I go to that church because of that pastor. Um, But the truth is that pastors aren't really that important. Um, In fact, pastors are designed to be see-through, transparent, that you don't look at us, you look through us and see Jesus. Um, and, and, And so really, yes, okay, don't get me wrong here, it's important to have a pastor, It's important to have a pastor who's faithful to the Scriptures and who gently shepherds you with God's Word. That's important. But the point is that what's way more important than any pastor is the people in the church. I mean, that's the reason to be part of a community is because you're in relationship with the people. 
Or sometimes people might go to a church because they say, I just love the music. I love the music. It's my style of music, or I like that kind of service. Uh, and music is important. It's one of those mediums by which we worship God. But what's way and more, more important than the, the music is the people who are singing the hymns and the songs of praise, right? Or some people might come to a church and, and they might say, I love that church because of the program, Sunday school or VBS. But once again, while those things are important, what's way more important is the relationships that you have with individual people within the congregation, I was talking to somebody this week who's been in this church for decades, and uh, you just learn, you know, the history of the church and who, who all the pastors have been all the way back to like the 1960s, you know, and it was just interesting that this person had been in this church for decades and had been through many, many, many different pastors and changes and programs and everything, and what keeps her in fellowship with this congregation is the relationships that she has with people over decades. That's a beautiful thing, right? to just be together with God's people in relationship. But sometimes we can sidestep community because we have that consumeristic uh, approach to things where we say, I'm just going to go from this place to this place to this place and find what I want. Um, But when we do that, we bypass what God would have for us, which is maturity. It brings me to my third thing that can disrupt our community. And the truth is that, let's just be honest, community is a beautiful thing. And many of us have had these beautiful experiences with community in the Christian church. And it's almost like moments you could, you could freeze like heaven. But we have to acknowledge that community is really, really messy. Would you agree with me? You get people together and it's always going to be messy because people are messy. We're all messy. And so community is messy, and there's, there's high potential in the relationships we have in the body of Christ to love one another and serve one another and share Christ with one another. But when you get people together, even Christians, there's going to be disappointment, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be offense. All those things happen. But here's the point, and this is something I've just become more and more convinced of as a Christian, is that it is those moments of hurt, disappointment, in which God is intentionally working maturity in us as His people. See, sometimes we might be hurt or offended and we just move to the next place, or maybe we just, we just ghost somebody or we just cut off a relationship or we avoid people. But when we do that, we're bypassing this beautiful gift of maturity that Jesus wants to give us. I can tell you for certain that I have matured the most as a Christian when I have said to another Christian, sorry, I missed it. Or when that Christian has come to me and said, I'm sorry, I missed it. In fact, I've found that that bond of the fellowship has become real rather than fake, right? It goes deep. God is seeking to give us a precious thing when we're disappointed and hurt in community. He's seeking to give us the gift of Christian maturity because God's plan for you is that you would become more and more like Jesus. And we only become more and more like Jesus, not just through the joyful things, but through the painful things. Those are the things that lead us on to maturity. I would say that we need community now more than ever, right? Would you agree with that? Last week, I noted in my sermon that we need worship. We need a devotion to the apostles' teaching and the breaking of the bread and the fellowship and the prayers now more than ever in this anxious time we live in. But we need community now more than ever in this isolating, 
lonely time that we live in. I was reading an article the other day, um, and uh, in passing, the article noted that, uh, that there's been a study done that links uh, loneliness to really chronic health issues. That, and, and the article even said that chronic loneliness is about the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Um, I don't know how they got that number, <laughs> but we can all acknowledge a truth there, right? That loneliness is harmful for us, not just physically, but spiritually harmful for us. And it's community that brings us out of loneliness and into the fellowship of God's people. I want to end today uh, with a quote and then also a couple questions. The quote is uh, from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has this famous quote where he talks about the truth of Christianity and why uh, the truth of Christianity really calls us to faithfulness. He said that Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Lewis was saying that, you know, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, then who cares? Do something else on Sunday, right? But if Christ was raised from the dead, then this means that he is the single most important person ever. The only thing that can't be is that we just treat Jesus moderately important. But I want to extend this quote out to think about not just Christ, but the body of Christ, the living fellowship of the church, the community of God. I want to tease this quote out a little bit and and help us to think about it in the context of the people that you worship with with at Holy Cross right here today. So if the community that we call the church is just a group of people who get together, then it's really of no importance, right? Or at least it's only as important as we want it to be. But if the community that we call the church is the very living body of Christ, with each member a living member, then that means that this community is of infinite importance. That means the people sitting in front of you and behind you, to the right and the left of you, on the other side of the church, those people are of infinite importance to you. The only thing that they can't be is moderately important. So how do we respond to all this? You know, perhaps today the Lord is convicting your heart. He's convicting you that that maybe you've treated community as a small thing, that maybe you've had a consumeristic approach, an individualistic approach to worship. And if that's the case, always remember, God only convicts us of our sins because He loves us, right? He only diagnoses us so that He can heal us. Um, If that's the case, uh, I just encourage you to bring that to the Lord uh, in a posture of humility and say, Lord, what what is it that's keeping me from community? What's keeping me from other Christians? It might be that, you know, reconciliation needs to take place. It might mean that you have to tell somebody, you hurt me. It might be that you have to tell someone, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Uh, it might be uh, something below the surface, just a heart attitude that, that you've got to bring to the Lord and ask Him to change it, that He would connect you with community. Whatever it is, I, I just urge you to bring that to the Lord and, and say, Lord, search me and know my heart and lead me through whatever barrier prevents me from being in community with other Christians. 
But, you know, if, if, you, if you're convinced, if you understand, if you can see clearly that this is God's will for your life, that Christ suffered, died, poured out His blood for you so that you might be tangled up in community with other people, if you can see that and if you can understand that, then the next question is, what's the next step? What's the Holy Spirit calling you in particular to do as the next step to be better connected with community? Uh, for some of you, it might be just to say, I'm going to stick around after church for five or ten minutes. Uh, just make that a disciplined thing that you're going to do. That's one of my favorite parts of worship is after we commune together at the altar, we get to commune together with other Christians in conversation. Because when you get to know other Christians, even Christians outside of your demographic who are older or younger than you, who are maybe from different life situations than you, when you get to know other Christians, you're getting to know Jesus better, and they are as well. Maybe that's what the Lord would hold out to you, just to spend some time after church, just to leisurely walk around and spend some time with people. Um, that means we all need to be approachable, right? Uh, and we need to be eager to speak, maybe even to break out of our clique, right, to break out of our group and go talk to people that we've never met before. Uh, maybe what the Lord might call you to do is, is to try to form an intentional relationship with one or two people in this church. Uh, start small. Just find another Christian in this church or another couple Christians and devote yourself to fellowship with them. Maybe that means you get together with them for coffee once a month. Uh, maybe it means that you meet them for lunch once a week, but it's there in that place that you, you get to know Jesus better as you get to know other Christians. Or maybe for you, it might be, it might be joining a small group. Uh, in the past at Holy Cross, we've had small groups, and of course, uh, all that's been interrupted with COVID, but we're hoping to get back to that, to having small groups, to have that be a central part of our life together in the church. That's why we did those surveys back in August every week uh, to see if there's uh, those of you who are interested in small groups who might want to lead one or host one. Uh, that's why we called James Hayes to be here, not just as our director of youth, but also our director of small groups. And so I just encourage you to maybe take that leap. Maybe it's a little bit of a leap for you out of your comfort zone, but you know, it's when we get out of our comfort zone that God's working in us uh, to better know Him and to be like Christ. Let's pray together as we conclude.